It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 707 on a Saturday morning, 23 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. Happy to be indoors and not outdoors right now because it's chilly out there. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. If you have a question about your lawn, about your landscape, about your house plants, about the holiday plants you got, and if you want to communicate by Twitter, if you have a Twitter account, just put hashtag AskWalter. And then put your question in, and Ashley will read it out over the air. And we have a Twitter question already this morning. Ashley, what is we it? We sure do. From just 10 minutes ago, Walter, if I prune my new peach tree now, do I need to put anything on the stem, the exposed stem, after pruning? The short answer is no. But I'll tell you what the longer answer is, because I just think it's interesting to know some of the things about how trees heal, number one, and about the size of a tree, a peach tree, that, and when it needs to be pruned, number two. First thing, the way that trees heal their wounds is completely opposite the way humans heal our wounds. If I get a scratch on my arm, I put a Band-Aid, maybe some antibiotic on top of it, put a Band-Aid on it, it heals from the outside. But a tree, when you wound it by cutting off a limb or getting hit by a lawnmower or whatever, the tree heals itself by making a layer of hard cells underneath that wound. Oxygen causes the tree to do this, and so the oxygen that comes in through the wound makes the tree form a real nice layer of thick, hard cells that don't let bugs and don't let diseases and don't let any damage come through there. That's how the tree heals that area and keeps it from being invaded by other things until the tree finally, hopefully, seals over the wound. And you've seen how trees do that when they have a hole in the bark. They seal over it after a couple of years' time. So putting a tree wound dressing or tar or anything like that onto a wound of a tree keeps the tree from getting any oxygen inside to make that layer of cells that it wants to make. It also sometimes, if it's thick, like tar for instance, if tar is thickly applied to a wound, inevitably within two, three, four, maybe years, the tar will harden and it'll crack because the tree moves back and forth and the tar will crack and get water and things behind the tar into the tree and it never dries out behind the tar and it gets nice and warm during the summertime you know the tar is black and so it gets warm and there's moisture behind there from the rain and so diseases and fungi and bacteria and things start working on the interior of the tree and it doesn't have any guard cells any of those hard cells to uh, to guard that wound, and so the fungi and the bacteria go into the trunk pretty quickly, and then they start going down the trunk, and before you know it, you have a hollow tree. So we never put tree wound dressing on any tree cut. That's number one. Number two, the other aspect, I guess, of peach trees in particular about when to prune them is the day you plant a young peach tree is the day you prune it, and this is going to be completely weird for me to say this, but you walk up to it when you plant it, you got all the nice you know, mulch on top of it, you walk up to it, belt buckle high, belt buckle high, you cut it off. And sometimes these peach trees, you buy them from a nursery, you know, they'll be six or eight feet tall, so you have a six or eight foot tall whip, and you think, oh man, I'm going to have a nice little tree pretty soon. But no, you cut it off at waist high. Why do you do that? Because peach trees make the best peaches, and they make more peaches, and sweeter peaches, and bigger peaches if they have arms or limbs of the tree going outward and then upward. 
like a like a wine glass. Wine glass is a good example. If you have a wine glass, you have a short stem, and you have the wine glass that goes outward, and then it goes upward, right? That's how a peach tree should look, because you want a lot of sunshine on the interior of the tree. And by cutting it off at belt height, you force a couple of sprouts, there'll be two or three sprouts that'll come just below that cut, and hopefully each one will be pointing in a different direction. One will be pointing north, one will be pointing south, one will be pointing sort of east-west. And you'll have these three or four, maybe, limbs pointing in different directions. And each one then becomes one of the limbs that goes out. It'll go out about a foot or two. And then it'll curve upward gently over the next couple of years. And you'll have that perfect wine glass form. That is what you want. So actually, does that sound cruel and hard and unusual? No, I'm just kind of puzzled. It doesn't say if, if T. Kelly is from Georgia or not. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think this time of year was the time to really be pruning anything. Oh, yeah. And if you're saying prune a new peach tree initially yeah. when you plant it, well, yeah. hopefully you haven't just planted one in the last couple of weeks. I don't know. Some people have because winter and fall is not a bad time to plant things like that. If the ground isn't frozen, then you can plant just about anything. So they could have got a good a young peach tree, or they could have one that's been in the ground for two or three years. It's got a limb that got broken off by the snow or something like that, and they want to cut it off. The, the rule still stands. No matter how old the tree is, you don't put any tree wound dressing on it. But just with the assumption that maybe this is a young peach tree that he just planted in the fall, then belt high is where you start. Thank you. Yeah, it's interesting. The whole purpose of pruning fruit trees is to increase the number of leaves. You want a lot of leaves on that tree so that the leaves make sugars and the sugars then feed the fruit, right? And so there are a certain number of leaves per fruit that are preferable for apples, peaches, pears, plums, and all the fruit trees. Usually it's just averaged out to be around 20 or 30 leaves per fruit. That's how much you want. And if you don't have that many leaves per fruit, then the fruit is real small, hard, not sweet, doesn't mature like it should. And if you have a lot of leaves on the tree and you have it properly, the right ratio between leaves and fruit, then you have those nice big fist-sized peaches that are just as juicy and nice to eat during the summer as you can imagine. One of the things that we also say do is to fertilize trees, and that is to make more leaves because fertilizer, the nitrogen in the fertilizer, stimulates a little more leaf growth on a tree so that you, you know, have the leaves to make the fruit. Apple trees are pruned in a completely different way from peaches. Apples need, generally need to have a straight trunk. A trunk that goes out of the ground, goes about oh, three or four feet maybe, has a couple of limbs that go outwards, and then the straight trunk goes up another couple of four feet, and more limbs that go outwards, and another two or three or four feet, and more limbs that go outwards, little whirls of limbs around the trunk. So those whirls of limbs are what makes an apple have enough leaves to make the apple fruit. Same thing pretty much for pears, a straight, straight trunk, straight stem and leaves or limbs coming out in whirls based space usually around three or four feet from each other. Peaches and plums, for them, you want the open wine glass form, the one I told you earlier. So plums, they're cut at about halfway, about um, uh, halfway up your height, at your belt buckle height, and the same for peaches. So you get a nice spreading arms out to the side. By the way, if you have a question about pruning either one of those things, 404-872-0750. And while we're on the subject of pruning Ashley Frasca, I will tell you what my father's favorite thing to do when the temperature outside is 24 degrees. Prune the muscadines. That's a great time to do it. You're not yeah. doing anything else. Yeah, you're not doing anything else. You're watching Flintstones for cartoons, which is what I wanted to do is watch Flintstones. No, when it's 24 degrees, my dad would say, let's go prune the muscadines. 
Oh, daddy. Oh, daddy. Oh, daddy. I want to see what friends. No, we're going to go prune the muscadines. This also is a great time to prune muscadine grapes and, for that matter, bunch grapes as well. The pruning for each one of them is a little bit different, too, and I'll go over that for a second here. The muscadines, generally speaking, are the best trained to be on wires. It's really hard to prune and get consistent fruit, fruit uh, yields from muscadines as they put onto an arbor because it's hard to prune them. And pruning is almost absolutely necessary to make good fruit from a muscadine. So generally speaking, you have wires, and generally the wire is about uh, four feet tall, I guess, four feet high, and the wire goes in different directions from the, from the trunk of the muscadine vine, and you have arms that go along the wire, little arm going one way, little arm going the other way. Over the summer, if you've ever had muscadines, you know how vigorously they grow, just lots and lots and lots of leaves and stems and sprouts and everything coming off of the arms of the muscadine. But the job, as my father pointed out was real simple. You take away all the growth from last year down to two buds. Every one of those little arm, little switches things that was four or five feet long that grew last summer has at the base just a couple of buds, and you prune down to the first two buds. <coughs> Cut it. Now, this may necessitate hundreds of pruning cuts, thousands of millions as far as I was concerned when I was 12 years old, but when you prune all these, all these uh, switches and arms and things off of the muscadine vine, you want to leave two arms with lots of little, uh, we call them staghorns, but they're where the clusters of stems that have been cut down to two buds have been left in years previous. And those staghorns, those clusters of buds, is where the new growth for next year comes, and it's on that new growth, the base of that new growth is where the muscadine grapes are, grapes are formed. So this is a great time to prune muscadines. Maybe don't watch so much Flintstones uh, cartoons or get somebody who doesn't like to watch cartoons or do it yourself. But muscadines pruned right now, two arms down both directions, down to, this, down to the first two buds. We have a caller, Dave in Stockbridge. Hey, David, good morning. Welcome to Lawn and Garden. I heard you talking about all the, all the pruning of the fruit trees. Yeah. I planted uh, an orange tree a couple years ago. Yeah. I just t took a seed and stuck it in the ground, and it grew. That man, great. It's about five feet tall. It's got a lot of leaves, and it's got one one branch that goes pretty much the trunk, the main trunk, and then there's a you know maybe eight ten inches from the from the base. There's a second ah, that is okay. almost as tall as the the main. Got it. How would you prune something like that to? In other words, obviously it's inside now, and I'm going to increase the pot size year after year and roll it in and take it out in the summer, but how would you prune something like that to keep it from getting out of control? So what it sounds like is you have co-dominant trunks. You have two trunks pretty much almost the same size from each other. Am I right about that? If I visualize Well, your... no, the main is the main is pretty pretty substantial. Okay. You know, maybe uh, an inch at the base. Okay. Um, and then, like I said, about 12 inches up, 8 to 10, 12 inches up, there's a, a, a branch that comes out that is as tall as the main, but not nearly as thick. Got Maybe it, a quarter inch coming off the main. You know, tell you what, Dave, I need to think about this for just a minute, and Justin is motioning to me that we're at 18 minutes. So tell you what, dude, let me put you on hold. It will come back to you. I have some ideas on how to print it correctly, okay? Perfect. Put Thanks. you on hold, and we'll go back. It's 718, and we'll be back after this. Into the corner to Sony. He catches it backwards. He gets inside the pylon. Left corner. Touchdown, Sony Michelle.
And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, the high around 38 degrees, low of 20 overnight. Sunny, it's going to be sunny most of the day today. Tomorrow, warmer, high of 41, low 31, sleep possibly, only possibly Sunday night. And we'll see what happens on Monday for the game. The University of Georgia versus the University of Alabama here on your home of the dogs. We'll have the full broadcast and full pregame show on Monday afternoon. It's 7.23. Let's go back to the phones and get with Dave about his orange tree. So, Dave, let's reiterate. We have an orange tree in a pot. Trunk at the bottom is about an inch thick, but up above that, two or three, ten inches maybe, comes another limb, which comes out and then goes straight to the sky as well. Right. Okay. The one that's going out and straight to the sky, you, the pruning technique is called heading it off. And the, the, the description of the heading it off is about what it means. About uh, two feet up from the, where it emerges from the trunk of the tree, clip it right there. Clip it right where a bud points or another twig points outward because you want that twig to start growing outward and not upward anymore and not compete with the top of the tree. Okay. Does that make sense? I mean, does that limb that's no the the one that the one that came. In other words, I obviously I because of the wind and stuff. I put uh, a stake in the ground, yeah, and got a couple of uh, strings kind of holding that together. So both of them are the main goes straight up, which is real nice, um, and then the the one that's about twelve inches up that comes off the main, yeah, it it's curling upward as well. So I should go about leave it leave that on there for about two feet and then snip it off? Yeah, or you know, okay. use, your, use your judgment in here, Dave. It, it could be come out for a foot and a half and then tip, clutch out, uh, pinch out the tip, and pinching the tip is the same thing. You'll get buds that will spread out to the outside. But what okay. you want to do is not let that new bud, the new limb that's coming up from the trunk, you don't want it to compete with the main trunk of the tree. Right, okay, I see what you're saying. That's why you head it back. Well, I trimmed the, uh, the very top of it just before I brought it in for the winter, mm-hmm. and I've already got probably a 10-inch growth from you know maybe an inch below where I trimmed it off. So, so looking forward, wanting to grow. Looking forward to 2018, 2019, 2020. What is going to happen to this orange tree, Dave? I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, you know, I I just grew it because. You know, like I said, I had a seat and I stuck it in the ground and started growing. And, and, it's kind of cool looking, but you have a sunroom. You have a place you can keep it inside the house, and when it's ten, twelve well, feet yeah, tall, I can keep it in the house. But how will it? Will it? I, they said about eight years before it actually starts providing fruit. Yeah, uh, yeah. But will I mean? Does an orange tree have to be a giant tree to provide fruit? Doesn't necessarily have I to mean, be a giant tree. It has to have a lot of leaves on it, and so. The more sprouts to the side you can make on this tree, maybe keeping it compact by heading out the the top of the um, main trunk there. If the top of the main trunk is about six feet tall, I would consider heading it off right there. Maybe even a little lower than that, maybe five feet, cutting it off there so that the limbs below that point are all pointing outward, giving you more leaves. More leaves makes more sugar, as I described earlier, and more fruit for you. So it doesn't necessarily have to go straight up for 20 feet like they might in an orange grove. It can be right. squat and be close close to the ground, but lots of leaves is what you want. Okay. Well, right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take your advice and trim it up and see what happens. I expect a report, Dave. That's, that's your pay for me telling you all this stuff about orange trees. The report is necessary. Let us know in a year or two. Let us know in six months. Just tell us what you have. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks for calling, Dave. All right. 
Down in McDonough, I'm sure I'll get a <clears throat> report later today from Cy Elliott. Cy has some hardy orange trees growing down there. They're not hardy orange. They're hardy citrus of some kind. And uh, he has sent pictures just about every year to show me what happened to his citrus trees. So we'll see what Mr. Elliott's trees look like a little bit later on. By the way, if you have a poinsettia, I mentioned earlier in the morning that there's lots of holiday plants that you need to know what to do after the holidays. Poinsettia is the biggest thing you can do for it is don't let it get soggy. And don't put it up against the window where it gets a cold draft. Both of those things are just death on a cracker for a poinsettia. <laughs> and so if you have a poinsettia you want to keep for next year or just want to enjoy it for the rest of this wintertime inside the house, if you, so one that come in the, it comes in the foil wrapper, many times I think the foil wrapper holds a lot of moisture at the bottom. And so I'll take it out of the foil wrapper, put it into a regular pot, regular saucer, and uh, keep it out where I can keep an eye on the moisture. And you only want to water a poinsettia when the soil is getting dry. So put your finger in the soil or on top of the soil. Test it every once in a while to make sure it's not staying wet. And the top of the poinsettia, if you keep it in a warm place, sunny place, not a place that gets any drafts coming down the window, then it will stay inside. You could even, if you wanted to, put it in a pot, take it outside, and try to force the poinsettia next year. If you have a question about how to do that, my number, 404-872-0750, or on Twitter, hashtag AskWalter. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 735, 23 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do in your garden. You define success, I'll help you get there. 404-872-0750 or on Twitter, hashtag AskWalter. By the way, on Twitter, you want to follow. If you drive into Atlanta every day, you want to follow Ashley Frasca on Twitter. She has more followers than I do, and it's well-deserved because Ashley posts pictures of all the accidents that are happening around town, telling you how to get around them, telling you sort of how severe the, the uh, accident is, backed up traffic. Her Twitter handle is Ashley Frasca WSB. So follow Ashley Frasca. Speaking of traffic, yeah. let me do a shameless plug here. Talk it's going to gonna be bad Monday. You got it's it. going to be awful. Gonna I'm going to be, be in the building for like 15 hours. 100,000 people in Atlanta. Yeah, and I, I don't want to be on the roads. It's fine to be here. So, with that being said, folks that do have to navigate around Atlanta, get an advantage over the people from out of town. You know, people from Athens aren't real familiar necessarily. Obviously, people from Tuscaloosa are not going to know where they're going. So, download the free app that we have, our Triple Team Traffic Alerts app. It's very handy. It's already been kind of in the process now for about four or five months. It's been live. You sync it with your Bluetooth in your car, or you just have the app open in the background on your phone. Just set your phone safely in the cup holder, and we come over with audio alerts. We, you know, you have to have your location sensor on, yeah. but we'll come over your Bluetooth or your cell phone with audio alerts warning you of trouble up ahead if there's a crash, if there's something that's making traffic unusual. So now, this weekend, to get ahead would be a great time to download the free Triple Team Traffic Alert app. Just go into the App Store, download. Is it under WSB or underneath Triple Team, or how would you search for it on the App Store? Um, you can search for it using WSB Traffic, okay. or you can type out the whole Triple Team Traffic, and then it's called the Triple Team Traffic Alerts app. But it's free. It's great. It's good. 
And Ashley, again, if you're not following Ashley on Twitter, if you are in traffic in Atlanta, she is the the, the essential part of the triple team traffic team that we have. Let's go to Stephen, who's in Marietta, Georgia, this morning. Hey, Stephen, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Good morning, Stephen. Quick question. I had to have a tree or two taken down in my backyard, hmm. and one of the trees uh, that was taken down happened to be a cherry tree that had been in my yard probably 30 years I'd never really noticed that it had a pocket in it, huh. a hollowed-out pocket. Uh, when the guys cut the tree down and, you know, cut it up for firewood, they showed me how the bark or how the core had been affected from the water. How about that? They sure. pointed out one or two other trees that had smaller pockets. Okay. What can you do to slow or halt the, the the small pockets that are that are already in a tree or two uh, to get it to slow or to get it to stop because you can't put a cover on it. Yeah, right. Uh, the answer is pretty similar to what I told earlier about putting tree wound dressings on new cuts that you've made, and the answer is nothing. If you put any kind of filling in a pocket, like you described, I've heard people put concrete in there. Some people just fill it full of tar. Other people put uh, expanding foam, the insulation foams. You can squirt it in with a straw, you know, right. fill it in. None of those do anything to help the tree because much like the tar, as I mentioned, it cracks eventually. And this tree and its movement, and trees do move. You may not see that trunk moving, but it's moving just a little bit in the wind. And that movement, if anything, solid inside, even the foam stuff, which is sort of gives a little bit, not like concrete, but it gives a little bit, even the foam stuff will crack around the edges. And as soon as it cracks around the edges, if there's any moisture, any rain coming down the trunk of the tree, it comes to that pocket, goes in behind the filler, then it gets into the middle of the tree, the trunk of the tree, and begins trying to break through that, that line of hard cells that I mentioned that lines the inside of a wound. So... Honestly, even though it holds water, and I know this really seems crazy, Stephen, but even if you have a pocket that holds water, don't drain it. Don't drill a hole through the trunk of the tree and think that you can put a little piece of pipe in there, just an empty hole to drain the water out. Because, again, you're piercing the wound wound mechanism the tree has, and you're getting around it. You're thwarting it. You're causing the tree to have not as good a wound um, a response as it would if you just left it alone. The only thing that I've told people, if you have a wound in the tree or a pocket in the tree that's holding water, put one of the mosquito dunks in there because mosquitoes live in those things like crazy. They really do like those little watery places in the tree. Well, can you not pump it out with a little hand pump that the irrigation guys sure. use or roll up a old towel to keep the... the yeah, yeah, you could if you if you wanted to, and or persisted about doing it every, you know, every time it rains or every time you irrigate or water gets in. I guess you could do that, but I'm not going to say that it's absolutely necessary to do because the tree again is doing its best to wall off that wound, to hold that wound tight so it doesn't get any further into the trunk of the tree. So cut it down now or cut it down later. Maybe. Trees have existed, though, for a million years with pockets in their you know, trunks and have learned how to deal with it on their own. So if you let the tree do it, uh, heal the wound to its own devices, let the tree do it like nature intended, many times you won't have to cut the tree down because the tree will slow things down, it'll halt the wound growth, and it'll live to a ripe old age. Even with the water? Even with yeah. water in it. Mosquitoes living in that water, sure. <laughs> but uh, th that's the way it is. Trees can deal with their problems on their own many times. The only time that you might do something corrective on a tree is if you leave a stub. Stubs are the 
they're the ugliest thing I can see on a tree because stubs are what generally lead to those pockets because a stub six inches long, the tree can never heal over it. The tree can never grow out and over and seal off the end of the stub. So the stub just rots, and when it rots, it leaves the pocket, and the water then gets into the pocket very readily. And sometimes those pockets don't last forever, and so then you get hollowness down the tree, and then the tree falls eventually. But um, that's the only thing I would do to correct some other pruning on a tree is just to eliminate stubs. All right. Great. All right. Thank you so much. Stephen, thanks so much for calling. Great question. I appreciate the call. All right. We got Richard in Michigan. Richard, are you all the way down here from Michigan? Come on. Uh, yeah, well, I'm driving through Atlanta. All right, but, Richard. Uh, welcome. I have a property in Alpena, Michigan. I want to put some uh, some fruit-bearing trees on it for my the deer that come in the yard at oh, night yeah. and in the morning. So yeah. I was wondering what would be the best fruit form. Nothing for humans, just strictly for the deer. Crab apple, crab apple, and more crab apple. Yeah, something that'll grow fast. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, I'm 57, so I want to see them. Crab apple. Still, yeah. the crab apples, the deer love crab apple fruit. They grow quickly. They fruit early within a couple of years of planting. Um, the only thing you need to do with them is to sort of protect them for at least a couple of years up there because the deer will eat the, eat the limbs, you know, eat the leaves and everything off of it before it has a chance to fruit. And so a lot of people, when they plant crab apples, will put a barrier of chicken wire or even something heavier than chicken wire around it to keep the deer. If you have elk or any other bigger browsing animal, you might want to think about how you're going to protect it for at least a couple of three years before it gets tall enough to, to get out and grow on its own. So how big of, like if I went to a nursery, how big of one could I buy that would transplant good? Could I buy one that was like three, four inches on the... No, I would try the smaller ones first. I would try the ones that are, oh, six feet, five feet or six feet high, about an inch uh-huh. in diameter at the bottom. That would be the ones that would be the right size. Okay. No no reason to buy bigger ones to get an early start on them? Yeah, the bigger ones are going to be harder to eventually root, form a root system because you've just got so much growth above ground that the leaves demand a lot of water during the summertime and the roots aren't quite big enough when you're away from the nursery. The roots aren't quite spread out enough to really absorb the water that the, that the leaves need. And so it's better off to start with a smaller one and let them grow into their root system rather than starting with a large one if the root system is inadequate on the tree. Okay. Thank you. All right. Crab apples, crab apples, crab apples. They'll feed those deer. Ooh, they'll be fat, fat, fat deer up there. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks for calling, Richard. Bye now. My number is 404-872-0750 or on Twitter, hashtag AskWalter. Ray is out in Lawrenceville and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Ray, good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. What an honor. Hey, man. What's up? Well, I've got a problem, and I'm not sure how to solve it, and I knew you would be the man to ask. Maybe. Go ahead and shoot, <laughs> shoot it to me. I've got a large Japanese maple, and he's, he's one of these really beautiful ornamental trees. Nice. He's probably 30 feet, 25, 30 feet tall. Uh, and the woodpeckers, or I guess we'd call them sap suckers, yeah, exactly. have, have drilled holes all the way around all three big major trunks of the limbs going up about six or eight, eight foot tall. Sure. Uh, and the tree is bleeding out right now. As we speak right now, there's wow. sap dripping all out of those holes. Yep. And I've already had this happen one time before, about three or four years ago. And the tree is, it mangled the tree of another beautiful Japanese maple. And it mangled this other tree really bad. Hmm. Uh, and the tree almost died. And I've been contemplating where to cut it down or not. 
But it, it was another beautiful tree, and this one's going to be the same way I know. So how do I, how do I, how do I potentially <laughs> save this tree? I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. You were there. You observed the other tree that got mangled, as you say, by the by the sap suckers pecking on it. But I have seen trees with hundreds, hundreds of holes from the sap suckers and don't <laughs> seem to have suffered in the least. The tr- big magnolia tree across the street from my house has hundreds of, of sap sucker holes in it, and it goes straight and tall and green, looks great. Uh, pecan trees down in South Georgia, same thing, just hundreds of holes in the trees pretty productive and had lots of pecan nuts in the in the fall. So I'll take your word for it that the sap sucker did do the damage and now is the time when they're coming through again and they, as many people know, they t- peck on the bark of the tree until it bleeds, as you described. They lick the sap. They also wait for bugs, if there are any bugs out right now, to be attracted to it. They come up and eat the bugs off the sap as well. And when one little, little hole dries up, they move next door and peck another little hole until it bleeds and they do the same thing around and around the tree. Um, then, oh, one more thing. You know, that other tree, the other Japanese maple that got mangled, it's possible that what was happening there, Ray, is a squirrel came in and enlarged the hole. No, sorry. Okay, not that. All right. I watched them them all during, on a daily, weekly basis for, for, for several years, and I shoot the squirrels. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's the end of that problem. I've seen I've seen other trees that had squirrels that came on a cherry tree, for instance, and they just enlarged the holes. They were, you know, initially just a quarter inch in diameter, and then the squirrel came in yeah. and said, "Boy, there's something this, good in here," and he just really gnawed the trunk up. Right, and this is the same type of Japanese maple. I've got all I've got three different kinds of the Japanese maples. Yeah. This is the exact same type, a big, beautiful, uh, well matured tree and it's identical to the other tree well the other tree is already almost dead yeah. i mean all the major limbs on it died and a few little, a few little pieces here and there survived and it's just all mangled up and it yeah. it looks it looks nasty my, I'll it's give you been three or four years. So. My, my common saying about controlling nuisance animals, this is a nuisance creature, the sapsucker is to you, is try to make them go somewhere else. And Because there's no repellent that I'm aware of. But the way that I would do it in your case is to go to the hardware store and buy several lengths of um, gray fiberglass window screen and cut it into lengths that are long enough that you could wrap it around the trunk real loosely and get a staple gun, just go there and staple, not staple gun, but a stapler from the office, and staple the edges together to make a little covering, a round, loose covering around the trunk of the tree. I know it's 30 feet tall. I don't want you to get way up to the top of it. But at least the area that you can reach from the bottom up 10 or 12 feet with a ladder will keep that part of the trunk from being damaged by the sap sucker just by putting the loosely attached screen wire around. Right, and you won't but be able to see I, the screen wire because it's gray yeah. and blends in with everything. So, how do I save the tree right now? I, I, I'm confident it's going to happen the same way. What happened to the other tree? Uh, I cannot be as confident as you are, Ray. Again, having seen so many, but I don't think there's anything you can do. As I talked to earlier college this morning about wound dressing, there's nothing you do to make the wound go away. You can't paint it with tar or anything like that. The only thing I can think of is to Keep the sap sucker away from it. And again, the only thing I think I have to do that with is with the loosely attached window screen. If somebody out there listening has a better idea on how Ray can protect his cherry tree, 
to keep the sapsuckers away from it. It does not include shooting the sapsucker, of course. Give us a call, 404-872-0750. We'll surely like to hear from you. i got to go, Ray. Thanks for calling at 749. We'll be back after this. in his pocket. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, high of 38 degrees, low 20 overnight, sunny, colder over the evening. Tomorrow, warmer, high 41 degrees, low of 31 degrees. But look out, there may be a little frozen rain, maybe some sleet Sunday evening going into Monday morning. We'll keep you full, keep you informed through our full weekend forecast in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB, the home of the dogs. Don joins us from Marietta. Hey, Don. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, man. What's up? I need some expert technical advice. Yes, sir. I got crepe myrtles that are about 15 feet high. Yeah. And the question, first question, is this the right time to prune them? Yes, it is. And the second question is, how do I do that? Why do you want to? Because you're 15 so what's wrong with that what's, what's well is it, is it okay to let them i thought you're supposed to cut them back low i mean all the no 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 yeah everybody does it but that doesn't mean it's right oh okay um if it looks reasonably good i mean honestly don you can just walk around it a couple of times and if it's if there's a limb that's broken off okay we're going to cut that one off is one going from one side to the other side through the middle of it cut that one off too because it won't have many flowers on it but just sort of look around as you walk around it and say, does it look like a nice tree-formed plant, tree? Um, and if it has a nice skeleton, nice bones, we sometimes say, then there's no need to prune them at all. They'll bloom just just fine without any pruning. I, I, I have done what you have suggested there and mm-hmm. kept it looking good, but it's just so tall, I didn't know what a crepe myrtle was supposed to get that tall or not. Oh, gosh, I got one 30 feet tall in my front yard. Come on. Really? Yeah. I don't. I didn't know that. Because, like I said, I see these people have these crepe myrtles, and they're all about six feet tall. Yeah, but they, and I'm thinking, they mm-hmm. murder them in the spring, don't they? I tell you, if you... If you want a technical way of pruning, if you felt like, well, I don't want it to be much taller than 15 feet, I like the what flowers about 15 feet high, then one way to do that is to do what's called finger pruning, which means you prune everything that is smaller in diameter than one of your fingers, your little finger, your thumb maybe, and that'll still give you a nicely formed tree, but it'll shorten it a little bit so that it still blooms at around the height that you want it to, I think, if you huh. just take off the finger diameter uh, and smaller limbs. But you don't have to prune them at all. They bloom. Mine blooms just fine. I never prune it. 30 feet tall. Are you kidding me? Come on. Oh, I appreciate that because I have always been under the impression that because everybody else is on mm-hmm. tall, I'm supposed to whack mine down to that tall, that height also. Go around and tell everybody what I said. You don't ooh, have to ooh. prune them to make them bloom. <laughs> They're fine. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you for calling, it. Don. By the way, we had a caller who had another suggestion for the sapsucker conundrum of Don a minute ago who had the sapsuckers beaten on his cherry tree. This caller said, hey, why not put sapsucker food? And that's something that I certainly appreciate. Put suet feeders somewhere around the tree. And suet feeders, you have the blocks of suet, of course, you can buy from Pike Nursery, the little feeders, a little green square that you hang in the tree. And the suet feeders, yeah, sure will bring in sap suckers to eat the suet, and maybe they'll be less likely to go and beat on the tree and make the little holes in the tree. So that made sense to me. Put something around that that the woodpeckers can eat and um, let them go eat the suet rather than beating on the cherry tree. But again... In general, my observation is that sapsucker damage is never really hurting a tree particularly. It just keeps on growing, keeps on 
doing what it's supposed to do. It's 758 News Talk WSB. We'll be back to more lawn and garden right after news.